Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hello, Ben. Hello, Fernando. And Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Hello, Travis. It's great to have you guys with me today, because last time I recorded alone and I missed you guys, and I felt like I was going absolutely insane. You sounded like Alex Jones. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) He's had too much chili. He can't remember his dog's names. Folks. Oh, I'll never forget Puffin's name. Jerry, however, I forget it every day. Just joking. Well, speaking of insane, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we're discovering took place on January 6th. So we're going to get into all of that, plus a bunch of more stories. But we're going to start today with a larger conversation about employee rights. Mm -hmm. We know a hurricane, a tornado ripped through six states killing uh, just countless amounts of people. We still don't know the total number of people dead. It's been absolutely devastating. So our hearts go out to everyone who has um, suffered because of those horrible storms. But I want to focus on employees who um, were completely screwed over by their bosses, by their employers during these storms, specifically one in Mayfield, Kentucky. So there is a candle factory, and you know how important candles are. (laughs) If those don't get out today, then every grandma's house is going to smell like old underwear. We need it to smell like Christmas. This story is so unbelievably sad, and I talk about employee rights in the live show that we're doing now for last podcast on the left. I want to thank everyone who came out to the most recent shows. You all were absolutely wonderful. A catastrophic tornado approached uh, this city this past Friday. Employees of a candle factory were like, hey, we should probably go home, right? Because there's this massive storm coming. However, they were told not to go home by their employer. This is what employees had to say. They said, if we asked to go home, the employer said we'd be fired immediately. Five workers said supervisors warned employees that they would be fired if they left their shifts early. For hours, as the word came that the storm was spreading, people were dying all around them. We knew that this was going to be extremely serious. 15 workers begged management to let them go home again from a freaking 
candle factory. I mean, guys, when we talk about employee rights and the erosion of employee rights, we're hearing more and more. We have another story coming up here very soon about what happened at the Amazon headquarters. Another story of what happened Mm -hmm. when people who worked at the uh, dollar store were like, we kind of want to get paid more. Maybe we should unionize. The axe came down as if they stole Mm -hmm. fruit in the, uh, you know, during the dark ages and uh, they lost their head at the hand of a, what do you call those people? Executioner. So this is incredibly sad and incredibly important as we see the race to the bottom when it comes to the workforce. There are not many jobs left, obviously, as mom and pops have been eroded by large corporate gains all across the board. You look at the restaurant industry, Mm -hmm. fast food is taking out restaurants all over the place. These are the only jobs that are available in a lot of these communities. And the fact that we can't trust our employers to take care of these employees, a.k.a. moms, dads, sons, daughters, children, uh, you know, whoever they are, they are human beings, not Mm -hmm. just employees, is really disgusting. Um, So what do you guys think when you hear these stories? This has to be a catalyst for change in this country when it comes to respecting our factory workers. We don't respect uh, we don't respect factory workers and we don't respect our workers in general. At the very start of the pandemic, we we came up with this really cool phrase for them, this cool term. What was it? Essential workers. Yes. In the candle factory. Yeah, exactly. But then that that definition of what was essential kind of became very amorphous. Is it people that work in healthcare or people that work at McDonald's? Because mm-hmm. what, you know, and then now the, you see that evolving more and more to the to the bosses. They're essential. These workers were essential. They could not leave, even though there was tornado sirens ringing in the background. But to anyone with a logical, you know, logical thinking, it's like these people are not essential. Why are we doing this? Absolutely. It's, uh, scented candles are not an essential thing. And of course, when it comes to their job, thank you for what you do. Thanks right. for making my house not smell like dog shit. But again, I can go a couple of weeks without scented candles in case there's a storm. If there is a storm, please, God, protect yourself and stop working on Wix. Yeah, no, look, this this is absolutely heartbreaking. I know there are investigations going on um, within Kentucky, at least, into several of these, what exactly the workers were dealing with and what they were told. Um, But this is... This is something we're seeing in the news more and more. I mean, the Kellogg's uh, factory also, you had those striking workers. They were all just basically let go while the CEO made record profits. You mentioned uh, Dollar General as well. Um, This is something a lot of my progressive friends, my socialist friends say, these are signs of the latter stages of capitalism. I mean, if this were a school or a government building, you're absolutely right. We all knew the storms were coming. People would be told to go home. And for some reason, workers, not only are they treated this way by their employers, and you've absolutely nailed it, Ben, uh, in terms of a point of so long to small businesses, mom and pop shops mm-hmm. that are usually mm-hmm. in these towns that came up through these towns. Now, like you mentioned, it's a lot of corporate jobs that ran out the competition. And so you have this heartless uh, corporate overlords basically mm-hmm. hanging over these workers and they need these jobs. And that's why they are compelled to stay even when the storm is coming and they're in harm's way. The factory was owned by Mayfield Consumer Products. At least eight people died And the most disgusting thing is this, Michaela Emery, she's 21 years old. She said this in an interview from her hospital bed. Wow. Again, went to work that day to make candles so everyone's bathroom can smell like they didn't just take a violent shit. 
and she left on a gurney. She says they did ask her to leave at 5.30 p.m. Employees congregated in bathrooms and inside hallways, but the real tornado wouldn't arrive for several more hours after employees decided that the immediate danger had passed. Several began asking to go home. Emery said people had questioned if they could leave or go to work. Um, now, some people said they prefer to stay there and make more money in overtime, which is also unbelievably sad. That, like, how desperate are people? We also have that story out of South Dakota with the teachers who were fighting over $1 bills in the hockey rink so yeah. that they could buy pencils for their classrooms, or I, perhaps it's a dated phrase, buy whatever their classrooms right. might need. That scene was so dystopian and disgusting in South Dakota. Uh, teachers fighting for mm-hmm. scraps. As we, again, continue to demonize them as they become a political ping pong as well. Meanwhile, they're just trying to take care of our kids, because if you're a teacher, you know, you have a passion for it. No one just like loves waking up and dealing with your freaking <laughs> 10 year old. It's a pain in the freaking ass. Right. They actually have a passion for it. Supervisors and team leaders, again, going back uh, to the candle factory, supervisors and team leaders told employees that leaving would probably jeopardize their jobs. Emery said, if you leave, you're more than likely to be fired. Workers, um, she said she overheard managers tell four workers standing near her who wanted to leave. And she says, I heard that with my own ears. So she heard with her own ears coming from management. If you leave, you're more than likely to be fired. About 15 people asked to go home during the night shift after the first emergency alarm sounded outside the facility, said another employee, Haley Condor, who is 29 years old. Man. It's Oof. unbelievable. People shit all over millennials, right? And they're always like, they're lazy. They don't want to go to work. Mm. 21, 29. The other person, Elijah Johnson, who was referenced here, is 20. <laughs> what are they supposed to do? Where right. are the jobs? Right. Also, these factories are fucking prisons, man. We exactly. were driving from uh, Seattle to Spokane, and we passed an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> Why are there no windows? Why did they make it Ugh. look like at least... Make we got the Apple store that is all mm-hmm. I know you can make a building with windows. Apple yeah. makes an entire building out of windows. Why? Well, the Apple stores have buildings, but where they make the iPhones, they don't have windows, Ben. You know what I mean? I meant windows. Well, yeah. yeah. So right. where they actually manufacture these iPhones, they don't have windows because then the employees would jump out of them because they hate working there oh so much. Oh my God. It's, it's very reminiscent of casinos, right? Casinos don't exactly. have windows or clocks or it's almost like these poor folks, you know, except they're not gambling they're trying to make a hard-earned living sadly in this case they were having to gamble with their lives and uh yeah go on fernando i mean uh think about this though it wasn't just employees being forced to work i'm sure the managers were told if your team leaves we will fire you maybe you know trickle down exactly so i mean the the ceo he went home of course the the company owners even went in that day exactly but the management everyone who actually worked there they were forced to stay there and they it just the shit rolls downhill Absolutely. According to Elijah Johnson, again, 20 years old, he says, I asked to leave and they told me I'd be fired. I said, even with the weather like this, you're still going to fire me, he asked. The manager he spoke with just said, yes. Mm. Johnson said managers went as far as to take a roll call in hopes of finding out who left so they could fire them. Mm. What are we doing here? 
How much does your bottom line matter? Do you think you're doing better now than you were because you lost all of these freaking employees' lives? Not to mention the PR, which who gives a flying shit about that? This is about people's lives. But Mayfield Consumer Products? Right. Congratulations on making sure that you got all of those candles made that day. I mean, what a fucking nightmare, man. This reminds me of those movies you used to see about the steel mills or like World Mm -hmm, War II mm -hmm. when they were making the weapons so we could go blow up people. (laughs) But this reminds me of all of that. Like when you read about, you know, labor laws that were were not in place, when any labor laws were not in place. Right. I mean, this all sounds like it's out of, you know, the early 1900s. It reminds Mm -hmm. me in 1901. There was the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. The factory was located on three floors, the 8th, ninth, and 10th floor. And the place caught fire and people were totally doomed. There were no nothing to extinguish said fires. They had to jump out of windows or burn alive. I mean, they had to make Ugh. the same decisions people in the towers had to make during 9-11, which right. are, to say the least, damned if you do and damned if you don't. But that was over 100 years ago. And now we're still dealing with these things. Uh, And it's just unbelievably depressing. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear said on Monday that 74 people have been confirmed dead in his state alone. And again, this hit over six states. It's just unbelievable. There was another uh, incident that took place in Edwardsville, Illinois. Six Amazon employees, uh, they were confirmed dead after tornadoes roared through. Uh, and destroyed their factory. At least 45 Amazon employees made it out safely from the rubble. Um, But again, six people died. And it wasn't like we don't have access to the weather. Right. Right. It was also made worse uh, or more compounded. When we see Jeff Bezos just out there having a great time, like he's the leader of New Zealand. Again, say one thing and do the other. It reminds me of George W. Bush during the uh, original invasion of Iraq as everything is going Mm -hmm. horribly, our troops are dying in mass. Our troops didn't even have freaking flat jackets. Where's all the money going again in the grubby hands of the military industrial complex? And W was out there playing golf. Bezos had a very similar situation occur Mm -hmm. to him. The Amazon facility was hit at 8.38 p.m. Central Time, which means everyone knew this storm was coming. And this isn't just QAnon fake, you know, rhetoric. This is an right. actual storm. Right. Right. I just don't understand how, if this doesn't change employee rights in this country, I don't know what else will. You're absolutely right. I mean, this is a new Gilded Age. This is really, you know, you had the Industrial Revolution of the, the 1840s, 1850s. That's when workers were rising up. That's where Karl Marx basically created his Communist Manifesto during that time of workers rising up against a class that was basically getting rich off their labor. You saw that during that time in the Industrial Revolution. Then you saw it again in the Gilded Age in America, the 1880s, all the way through the 1920s, when, yes, workers were fighting for basic human rights, labor laws, things like that. And I feel like we've almost come to that point again. It's mm-hmm. everything. It's it's the totalitarian uh, system of capitalism that I feel is in question right now because people are getting very, very rich. You mentioned Jeff Bezos. He's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. While workers toil and are told that they will be fired. If they leave when they're in harm's way, we yeah. this has got to be uh, – I, I really agree with you, Ben. I hope this is a catalyst into some kind of change. Joe Biden was compelled to comment on the 1,400 workers at the Kellogg's 
plant mm-hmm. who basically were let go because they dared to strike against their uh, multi-million dollar CEO. Billion, yeah. Yeah, a billion dollar company, multi-million dollar CEO. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the more you see this, the more we just, all you can do is do the right thing and stand with these workers, state by state, city by city. Absolutely. Witnesses, uh, when it comes to the Amazon factory, much like the candle making factory, uh, they say that co-workers were sending them pictures of them taking shelter in the bathroom. Basically, they were hiding wherever they could. Right. And of course, in Amazon, uh, I wonder if even some of them knew where the bathroom was. Wow. There, there were no because tornado God- shelters, basically. There were no safe places right. to hide, unlike government buildings and schools. And it's unbelievable. They make so much money. They can't have a tornado shelter. I don't even understand how that would be legal for a hard for a huge factory like that not to have these precautions. It's not as if um, turbulent weather is something new. No, every every year we get tornadoes in the tornado belt. Exactly. So it is it's just one of those stories according to amazon truck driver emily epperson 23 years old mm. the ages of this of these stories are actually really striking to me right. again these are young people trying to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and trying to make something with their lives mm-hmm. and this is how they have to start off their careers uh she says she was waiting anxiously for information about the whereabouts of her workmate Austin McEwen late on Saturday and um she says we were so worried because we believe that you know he would have been found by now one mother told St. Louis news station that her son Clayton Cope he is 29 years old he's a maintenance worker was found dead uh police um have yet to officially release all their names. This is according to Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. God, that guy sounds like he has a thin mustache and the ability to <laughs> fart without anyone knowing. <laughs> he says, uh, everyone assumes they'll be safe at work. Uh, we don't think that uh, they'll never come home. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened here. Um, earlier, uh, Amazon CEO Andy Jazzy posted on Twitter that they are, quote, heartbroken over the loss Wow. Dot, dot, dot of money. For that day. <laughs> right. Truly. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos echoed Jazzy uh, in a in a uh, tweet. Oh, wow. I can't believe they were so brave. They went all the way to Twitter. Right. He went to this is what Bezos had to say. He says, all of Edwardsville should know that the Amazon team is committing to supporting them and will be by their side through this crisis. Good grief. I don't this need tweet- you by my side. I need you to give me freaking money. Yeah. This tweet was sent from space. Exactly. The billionaire uh, had been in Texas earlier in the day to greet astronauts. So he gets to live his dream as other people live their nightmare. And I want to bring up this other point when it comes to consumerism. We're all guilty of sitting on our fucking ass and ordering things that we know for a fact we could go and get ourselves. Right. True. Sometimes your package is going to be late. Yeah. And it's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's deal with it. The other thing we have to remember when it comes to who is completing the circuit, it is us. It's the American people. Mm -hmm. It's the American consumer base that wants it now, or I'm going to send a Yelp review. Mm. So sometimes things might take a little bit longer, and that's not necessarily bad. Patience has been totally lost in this country. And when it comes to now it's Christmas, everyone's going to be ordering everything Mm -hmm. last minute. Right. 
Don't be surprised when things get messed up. It's human beings running this stuff. And again, as we've been talking about, human beings who are stretched to the limit, who are making not nearly enough money. We're not even, that's, I mean, not even talking about teachers on that. Good. I was just talking to my friend who's a teacher. Uh. Some days she texts me and it's like, good. You're just, again, stretched to the limits with very little hope in sight. So from a consumer perspective, from our perspective, we have to have a little bit of grace and we have to remember like it's relatively it's exceptionally new mm-hmm. that you dip, 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 on your little phone in the tub and expect something to show up immediately. Mm-hmm. So these factory workers are also getting shouted at now work more, work more, you know, because yeah. people have a high expectation. And uh, so it's it is it's on all of us. Um, according to Kathy Burnett, 67 years old, who worked at the Amazon factory delivering, again, it would be nice if they didn't have to work at 67, but she says it gives me shivers. She goes mm. on to say, I would have been standing right in the middle of that track, the, what, the one that was destroyed. She said, pointing to what remained of the facility, there would have been 100 trucks in there last night, and you didn't see this, and you didn't see one this morning, did you? So mm. it is just we're just so our hearts go out to those people and uh, they deserve to be treated a lot better. And as, um, as uh, Travis alluded to what's going on now as well with the workers revolt the dollar general, you know, people don't, you think about the dollar general and just immediately the, uh, the elites, <laughs> they're going to thumb their nose. Right. Oh, who cares about the dollar general? Mm-hmm. Well, the workers, again, the race to the bottom, they don't get, uh, first of all, the Dollar General, for all that don't know, it's a total scam. It's a, you end up paying more yeah. when you go to those places. It's just it's just so heartbreaking. Again, no one is supposed to die at work. And those the ages of those people, you know, it's just indicative of where is our middle class? Yeah. They're gone because these are the jobs. These are the safety concerns. And then the idea of someone even contemplating working through a tornado so they can make overtime mm. breaks your heart. Right. Having to decide that. Do I want to live or do I want to get an extra 250 on my paycheck? What are you going to spend it on when you're dead? Right. And it's not their fault. Right. Their, their, head, their, right. their backs are against the wall. Exactly. Yeah. No, we need a little more compassion in our consumerism and, and capitalist culture. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, the Dollar General store breaks your heart. All of it just breaks your heart this holiday season. Uh, and when it comes to a UBI, I don't think that should come from the government. That needs no. to come through taxing these corporations that are, again, making bank off of our data, off Facebook, of our work and off Google, of our sweat and off of our of tears. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know we're going to get to it later, but that's another thing to keep in mind in terms of you know what we kind of call this modern form of fascism, uh, corporatism and state power merging. These corporations are paying Next to nothing, maybe even less than nothing in corporate taxes. Let's talk about it. So this is according to the monthly treasury statement. Oh, how exciting that is Yay. to read. I look through it. There's charts and <laughs> oh. there's bar, there's bar there's, graphs. Is there numbers? <laughs> there's numbers. <laughs> the federal government collected more in taxes uh, through the first two months of the fiscal year of 2022. That's October and November, of course, of this year. They collected $565 billion, $135 billion, right? So if you go down and look at the bar graph, For just the month of November, when it comes to where are these taxes coming from? Number one, it's coming from individual income taxes. For November, it was 138,185,000. 
Okay. Corporate income taxes for the month of November was negative 321, which means we paid them to pay us nothing. Right. Insane. That is insane. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, when it comes to like, like, I'm not going to the fucking Met Gala in an address that says tax the rich. It's not Mm -hmm. about taxing. It's about taxing the corporations, Mm -hmm. which are these massive entities larger than our fucking government. Right. Yeah. So I don't understand. I mean, I do understand because there's so many lies. There's so much manipulation. The term socialism gets thrown around in completely false context. It's not socialism to tax corporations. Absolutely not. In the way that this is unheard of. Right. And it's unsustainable because even the taxes that were collected, again, the uh, $565 billion plus, we're still at the deficit. We're still not paying our bills because the federal government spent $921,526,000,000, which means we have a deficit of $356,390,000,000. And you are telling me mm-hmm. that if we had a proper tax on corporations, that wouldn't be lower? By definition, it would. It's economics 101. This isn't complex. Mm-hmm. These corporations are writing the bills that our Congress people and our senators sign and that's why they don't have to pay any taxes. I believe um, Elon Musk is at a tax rate of 3.6%. Yes, exactly. I'm at well over, you know, 40. Right, exactly. Where I'm I'm in the I'm in the top 30s at for for sure. And uh, if that doesn't if that doesn't pluck some feathers out there, I I just don't know what what, what will. And I don't I also think on a positive note, the Venn diagram of support for a corporate tax has got to be on all sides, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, of the, you, of the people of the general public anyway, you can be pro workers rights and still be free market. You know, it's OK for workers to unionize and for everyone to pay your, their fair share. I mean, you were mentioning who was paying taxes every month. Individuals, that's W-2 workers. Mm-hmm. And that includes probably workers at that candle factory mm-hmm. and at the Dollar General at Kellogg's. They're paying their taxes, but their CEOs aren't paying their fair share. Insane. And- and getting rebates from the government, like eating, you know, eating a cake from both ends and getting it by enema too, because they don't pay their workers enough and then they get tax rebates on the other end. So it's just money in the right pocket, money in their left pocket. Absolutely. It is. Uh, it's just outrageous. Negative 321, which I believe million. That's what we've given to these corporations. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the Foxconn deal in uh, in Wisconsin, one of the biggest shams. Foxconn deal, Scott Walker, such a little piece of shit. This is going to add jobs. It didn't. The mm. jobs it added sucked. All it And they get to live there for free and take over an entire town. And it's so, just ridiculous. And then, as we just discussed, they cut corners while building buildings and don't put in proper safety, you know, tornado infrastructure. shelters. In infrastructure. Proper infrastructure. They don't support the towns they, they work in. Exactly. They don't do anything for our country, literally. They rob, they're robbing our country. And I want to clarify, I'm sorry, it was $138 billion wow. that, uh, the, um, that the individual income taxes pay, paid, all of us paid over this uh, November. And again, negative 321 is the corporate income tax. Makes zero sense as people hide in bathrooms, and in doorways, as they're told, if they leave, you're fired. What a disgusting trend and something that has to change in this country. 
It's it's tax law because uh, as you just mentioned, what Elon Musk does, you know, he says, "Oh, uh, I don't get paid for my job," so he doesn't. He's not an employee, so he doesn't get pay income taxes, right. and then he uses loopholes to never pay corporate taxes. And the whole thing with the backdrop of if you just had a side by side of Jeff Bezos going to live his little dream of meeting astronauts, yay, mm. yay. Meanwhile, the candle factory smells of cedar wood because everything is burning. It's disgusting. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen Gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, speaking of disgusting, let's talk a little bit about what we're learning on January 6th. Let's start with Laura Ingram, shall we? (laughs) Laura Ingram, folks. She went on her show January 6th and blamed everything on Antifa. (laughs) Antifa, not exactly the most organized group. However, she knew exactly who caused the riot at the Capitol on January 6th. As a matter of fact, she wrote, I believe this was to Mark Meadows. I think this was a tweet to Mark Meadows. This is what uh, Ingram had to say. A text. A text, yes. Sorry. Ingram, by the way, if you have an Ingram, uh, pull it out. Pull it out with some tweezers. It'll help you. Otherwise, it'll get infected. Much like Laura Ingram is infecting this nation with her, I want to say stupidity, but honestly, these are well-crafted lies. Yeah. It's not stupid. Yeah. It's very manipulative. She gets a lot of money off the corporate teat. It's Inception, but evil. Inception. This is what she had to say uh, in a text. She says, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. But again, that night, she said, it was Antifa. <laughs> Ingram said in a text message, uh, she says, Mark, Mark, of course, referring to Mark Meadows, the chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He's destroying his legacy. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> She's not wrong. But where she is wrong is what she told the American people right, to her right. millions and millions mm-hmm. of followers beginning the lie that it wasn't, it was anybody but Trump supporters. It's always the easiest answer. We talk about this with JFK. Marcus firmly believes it was just a workplace accident where the, the Secret Service agent was hung over. He right. was a rookie. He accidentally shot our president in the head. <laughs> These things are fairly simple. If it looks like a Trump supporter, they sound like a Trump supporter. Either they're the world's greatest actors, and it is Antifa, or state-sponsored crisis actors. But as we talked about on this show, The government does not sponsor the arts or it is people acting as they say they're (laughs) acting in the name of Donald Trump. The good liars, by the way, they have been just doing such a fantastic job. Devram and Jason, 
We've had them on before. If you haven't listened to those episodes, listen to that episode. I think we've had them on twice. Hmm? They're at the Bill O'Reilly Donald Trump tour in Florida, <laughs> which isn't selling very well. Mm. Um, I mean, they're probably selling like a lot of black licorice and random Werther's <laughs> originals. Can't even imagine the booth. What's the what's the concession stand the at that place? It's yeah. a, this it's is a, a laxative. Butter, butterscotch candies and depends. <laughs> uh, so the fact that uh, Laura Ingram, we all know that she knew who did it. But the fact that she could have uh, just the lack of morality to then go on national television and openly say a lie, I can't do it. I mean, you know, it's not easy to, of course, also, let's keep in mind she's wearing her fucking gold cross. That's what I was going to say. The (laughs) entire time. Because you know how much God would love that gold uh, cross uh, around her neck as if it it makes her pious or something. But anyway, go on, Fernando. Uh, I think there's two layers to this. First of all, she's like those managers in that candle factory. She's got people above her telling her what she's supposed to say. So she knew that it wasn't Antifa. But when, you know, you get to work, you're, you know, she's like, it has to be Antifa. It's that's the rhetoric we're pushing on our network. It's Antifa. I know what you believe, but the story you tell with Dr. Oz. I will say this when it comes to the editorial team at Fox News. I think that they 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 are a little bit more in charge. They do. She be, I'm not even going to give her that. Hmm. I think she went into the office. How do we spin this? Oh, she's yeah. a radio personality. Hmm. She has yeah. her audience. She's trying hmm. to save her own skin. I don't I, I, I think it really comes down to her. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Ben. I mean, what's being exposed here is that some of these people do have consciences. Right. And they instinctively want the president to do the right thing in the moment you saw that with kevin mccarthy but then he backtracked laura Mm -hmm. ingram but he backtracked the whole reason we even know all of this these texts is because they were read by liz cheney on the um the january 6th commission here Mm -hmm. and it was mark meadows because he kind of did the right thing by giving them a bunch of information then he stepped back again and now it's probably going to be held in contempt of congress right yeah, at 4 p.m., while the cap- well, the Capitol remained unsecure, Ingram called into Fox's live coverage of the riot oh and began the line. And she speculated, Antifa threatened to show up at the same time. Oh, and yes. of course, by Antifa, she means Jason and DeVram. Yeah, <laughs> that is that's right. right. Anyone, I mean, it's insane. <laughs> uh, she goes on, we'll learn more about the extent to which that happened, which it didn't. So there you go. Uh, Later that night, she led her own show by decrying the riot and saying that it could only have been caused by people antithetical, antithetical to the mega movement. Mm. And then she went on to suggest they were likely not at all Trump supporters. And there are some reports that Antifa sympathizers may have been sprinkled among the crowds. Uh, Insane. None of which is true at all. And then, of course, Tucker Carlson doubled down on the whitewashing. So as we talk about. You know, we demonize Cuomo for, you know, whitewashing his brother's scandals. Mm. I still think the nursing home scandal is whitewashed and Andrew Cuomo should probably be in prison for it. But whatever. This is just another reminder. What you see on corporate media can never be trusted because the truth, when it does not align with their best interests or mm-hmm. is the best interest as right. they see it, isn't it easy to just switch it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and look at our, our old pal, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. He gave a very 
passionate speech the night of January 6th on the Senate floor saying yep. how we, hell y'all, we tried. We tried. I tried Trump. We tried ham biscuits, y'all. And, you know, he basically admitted that Joe Biden was president. And then within a week after being hounded by Trump supporters <laughs> at the airport and probably getting a few phone calls from Trump himself and mm-hmm. his uh, inner circle, Lindsey Graham was on Fox News by... I think the next Sunday with Chris Wallace, who, by the way, is stepping away from Fox News since all this shit has gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's basically was towing the party line, Antifa and Trump's the future. Well, the thing is, the thing is, uh, Mr. Wallace, I had a chance to talk to my ladybugs and my <laughs> ladybugs told me it was Antifa. <sighs> oh, go on. Of course, for those that don't remember, the ladybugs are the moles around his asshole. Uh, according to Donald Trump Jr., Somebody else who is, mm. you know, continuing to spread all the BS narrative to save his political hide, whatever, just dis- disgusting. He and Kim Guilfoyle, Kim Guilfoyle, of course, formerly married to Gavin Newsom. If you want to know how disgusting all of these people are. <laughs> right. Now, go on, Travis. I was going to say, when I was watching January 6th uh, footage uh, coverage on OAN, that's how the day started, was Donald Trump Jr. You know, it was all pretty. I think I sent you guys a text saying, whoa, the Trump kids are losing their minds on TV. (laughs) And then obviously, collectively, America lost its mind later that day. Yes. And of course, Eric Trump Jr. is losing his teeth to his gums every day. (laughs) This is what Donald Trump Jr. had to say. He's texted Mark Meadows. Which is kind of sad because he couldn't even text his own dad. <laughs> like I feel like if my dad's, I just I shoot shoot it over the pops, you know. Right. But he still yeah. went through the protocol. <laughs> no, he still right, right, text right. Mark first. <laughs> he says, uh, "This is again from Donald Trump Jr. to Mark Meadows." He says he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. And then he said, "The Capitol Police tweet is not enough." Meadows replied, "I'm pushing it hard. I agree. Hmm. It's unbelievable." Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity. He also texted Meadows on that day saying, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol. They Mm. all understood what a shitstorm this was. Wow. And then they all went on television and lied to their audience and their audience. You know, they ate it up as they fell asleep on their my pillow. It's just unbelievable. That this is uh, that this is something that was allowed to happen, and was something that all the insiders knew was bad. Yet they changed their tune as soon as they found out that Donnie was nothing more than thrilled by what was happening. How do you how do you think they rationalize that? How do you like they they love money more than America? Power, or just, power, money. Yeah, just, it doesn't matter. Amer- so basic, like basically, America's just kind of like the backdrop. They for- don't give a shit about America. Interesting. They haven't cared about America in a long, long time. I, I do. I, I love America. You know, I, like when I wouldn't do that. I would see the. I I don't know. Even doing this show. I make sure that everything I talk about is at least facts based. We try. And yes. if we get something wrong, we correct it. We do our best. Because I feel responsible for to the people that are listening. I feel responsible to America. But that's also why someone asked me, like, what what is it? Is it a left show? Is it a right show? I'm like, I don't know. Because we just I try to tell my I have a moral compass mm-hmm. and I try to stick right. to the North Star. Right. And sometimes the left, sometimes the right. They both, they're they both, both full of humans and <laughs> they, they both, both lie. lie. <laughs> but in this case, of course, the lie, it was just unbelievable that this happened on January 6th. Again, trying to overthrow a uh, an election in America. This is not we're not talking about what happens in Moscow. This is America. According to Representative Benny Thompson, 
Democrat out of Mississippi. Uh, they say, if you're listening at home, Mr. Meadows, Mr. Bannon, Mr. Clark, I want you to know this. History will be written about these times, about the work this committee has undertaken, and history will not look upon you as any kind of martyr. Wow. Because, of course, that's exactly what they want to be seen as, right. the victims. Right. right. For all the people who uh, drink liberal tears uh, for dinner, which it's, I mean, I don't even know how you would milk a liberal for tears. And it's <laughs> disgusting to drink tears. It's actually almost cannibalistic. It's a cannibal's tea. Um, they they have a victimhood uh, complex more than anyone I've ever seen right, in their life. Right, They feel attacked at all times. Yeah. Go on, Travis. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind. Oh, yeah, Christmas. A- the cup's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, not to mention uh, the the people that uh, Representative Thompson mentioned there, the Steve Bannons, the Mark Meadows. But let's keep in mind, there's a lot of congressmen that we've talked about in the last few weeks who also have blood on their hands. Your Gozer, Boberts, your yep. Paul Gozers, uh, your Jim Jordans, your Kevin McCarthy's. I mean, uh, I want to bring up a point when Fernando was talking about, you know, being a decent human. Lord knows we all try. But Kevin McCarthy also called in. He called into the TV stations on January 6th, begging the president to call these people off. And then again, within a few weeks, he had to go kiss the ring at Mar-a-Lago. Why? Because there was a threat, an internal threat that Trump was going to back Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House after they tried to take back the the House of Representatives in 2022. So Kevin McCarthy had to get his act back in line, kiss the ring, get that donor list. And now we are where we are. Wow. And again, the donor list. Isn't that the most important thing ever? <laughs> I wish we were talking about like the heart donor list. Right. Like right. The do- a donor, donor list sounds like, oh, that could be good. They're going to help all the homeless in LA. <laughs> it's or Giving something. Tuesday. <laughs> well, speaking of which, just briefly, and I want to get on to what's happening in New York, but that does play a little bit into what's happening now with redistricting. And I, we, we talk about this and we'll talk about this further. I know we have an expert coming in at some point in the relatively near future. But holy hell, does it look good for the Republicans right now because of how they've drafted these maps? In the last presidential election, only 13 out of the 435 House seats switched between the two parties. In the 1950s, think about this, political handicappers ranked about 130 of the seats in the House as competitive, but now only categorize about 48 House seats as competitive. Wow. And the way that this is being done is, again, gerrymandering, redistricting, and they're breaking up. You know, So if you have a safe Democratic district, mm-hmm. they're going to break it into force. And now, boom, those are going to be minority uh, folk, voters in larger districts. Right. Um, the decline of competition has helped lead to growing partisanship. Just 19 of 213 House Republicans recently voted for the new infrastructure bill. Uh, you know, as evidence to that. And the redistricting cycle is poised to get uh, worse. The main Republican redistricting organization, the National Republican Redistricting Trust, found that in states that have drawn new maps, there are now 15 fewer seats where the margin of victory was 15 percentage points or less in 2020. The examples are widespread in 21 states that have finished redistricting. In Illinois, of course, Adam Kinzinger, his district is now no longer safe for him, a perceived moderate Republican, which just means he doesn't suck Donald Trump's weird ass teat. <sighs> so uh, it really is. It, it it might get worse before it gets better. Speaking of Lauren Boebert, she won her 2020 race by six percentage points 
And it looks like she just very well, well might win again unless she's primaried. Ish. Because they just redistricted her district to make it even more safe. So the fact that Lauren Boebert is officially in a safe district should send chills down everybody's spine. Right, right. Like the fact that she is just like, she's in there now. They implanted her. And the only way that she will lose, again, is in a primary. But my God, and we'll again, we'll focus more on individual states and stuff later on in the future. But let's just focus a little bit on Texas, because Mm. holy hell, why is Abbott still in power? You're like, no one likes him. Well, this is why he's still in power. They uh, transformed nine competitive districts into safe districts that were all explicitly safe now for the Republican Party. Democrats picked up two House seats in 2018 and then fought the GOP to a standstill. With the state's growth powered by voters of color who lean Democrat, Republicans drew a map that would lock in their gains and avoid having to worry about Texas seats. There is this challenge to it. But basically, the Dallas, Dallas's northern suburbs are a case study in killing political competition. So how do the powers that be maintain their power? How do these psychos who just, you know, refuse to go against their corporate overlords stay there? It's by redistricting. We talk about it with Dr. Petrakis all the time. And now they're saving. Now they have nine safe seats. So, you know, when you hear people say voting doesn't matter, it's sad. Because you do have to concede there is a truth to that. But we also have to remember that it does just for your own self-worth, in my personal opinion, to make yourself, you know, feel as if you're part of the franchise. But I mean, Travis, go on. Isn't it isn't it bizarre, though, when, um, you know, when you're like, oh, yeah, you got a free car, but there's no engine in it. (laughs) Right. So it's like, okay, thanks for the car in my parking lot. But it's a lie. Yeah, I mean, voting certainly matters in local elections, county elections, but you're absolutely right. This is the the redistricting, especially where they crack and pack communities into larger areas where they know they can win by a certain majority that will obviously not uh, eventually fully represent the community that they cracked and packed. That's why the Department of Justice is stepping in, in in terms of Texas to see if there were actual racist motivations in some of the cracking and packing and redistricting they did. I kind of wish they would do the same here in Ohio. I talked about it uh, the other week. We're losing a congressional seat because no one else wants to really live here anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have 15 congressional seats as compared to 24 that we used to have at the, the height of the 90s. Wow. wow. Um, 15 congressional seats and the re- Republicans who are fully in charge of the process here in Ohio redistricted those to be 13 Republicans to Democrats by right. uh, most estimations. And one of the communities they cracked and packed, uh, Oakwood up by Cleveland, a, a an African-American community that has been cracked and packed into three different congressional districts. It's insane. And as you mentioned, Fernando, it is all about the money. According to Adam Kincaid, he's the director, executive director of the National Republican Redistricting Trust. Mm. They spent $20 million on these redistricting uh, plans that went to fruition because, again, the Republicans own the statehouse. This is what Kincaid said about the 20 million bucks. He says, now they can go and spend that money on places where they can go on the offense. You'd always rather be on the offense rather than the defense. So they spent the 20 million bucks, got their district safe, and now they can go and spend that 20 million bucks. To take more. To take more. uh, I knew this was going to happen. I hate to say it again on this episode, but I knew this was going to happen when Trump was fighting the census. Do you remember? Of course. Because this is where this is all decided through the census, correct? 
Yes, th- that's how they decide how many congressional yeah, seats you get, exactly. and the, the the makeup and age and all that. Exactly. So remember, Trump was he was going to put questions about citizenship on the census and asking yeah. uh, again, all manipulating who would in, who would involve themselves in the census, who would get counted, because then he could late they could later manipulate these seats. Absolutely. It's all you know. It's it. it uh, you try to think that these people aren't smart enough, but then you see they're playing these games that Absolutely. are ten years, twenty years into fruition. And if you are someone who is undocumented, the last thing you're going to do is fill out a government form. Right. Right. Yeah, you're worried. You're scared. Absolutely. <laughs> and I talked a few weeks ago, a, a, censor, a census worker I, I spoke to, the same deal. He said people did not want to answer their doors, especially at the height of a pandemic. And now you got all these censor, census workers walking around America just trying to collect this data. Their jobs are hard enough. People don't want to talk to them. Then the government's making it extra hard. That's why all the census data was backed up. And then uh, obviously the congressional redistricting process was also backed up. And that's why a lot of these maps were so rushed by the people who were in power. You know, it reminds me of what our friend Sina says, uh, Sina Kaznavi from Fraudsters says, mm-hmm. the plumbing in this country is good. We have a system that could work to represent the most people of the best in the best way. But it's the plumbers. It's the people who control this process. They're ruining everything and clogging it full of shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Well, let's move on uh, when it comes to a city council doing something that I actually agree with. And it ties into the census and it ties into undocumented people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York City occasionally gets it right. And I, I agree with this. Occasionally. And occasionally. <laughs> very occasionally. <laughs> city Council in New York has passed a bill allowing New York City residents who are not citizens to vote in city mm-hmm. elections. So these mm-hmm. would not be federal elections, city elections. But as Travis says on a regular basis, which is completely true, local elections matter the most. And when it comes to people who are residents, such as my father, they pay a lot of taxes. Mm-hmm. They work. They're the backbone of this country. Mm-hmm. I was in the bar industry for three years. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, thank God for undocumented workers They're because the they are the porters. Mm-hmm. They, without them, nothing works. Like they are the ones who save the damn telling you. So now more than a million New York City residents who previously could not vote mm-hmm. are now going to be able to vote. Of course, they could not vote because of their citizenship status. Mm-hmm. But Fernando, I know I want to speak with you on this. Um, the idea, uh, when it comes to, pri- we talk about this all the time, when it comes to privilege, right. the biggest privilege is citizenship. Right. From there, we can talk about everything else. But if you're a non-citizen, 
your hands are tied. And it's scary. And Fernando, I know you can talk more on that. But with a vote of 33 to 14, the city council passed. It's called the Our City, Our Vote legislation, Mm -hmm. which, again, I agree with. And they granted non-citizens who are either legally authorized to work in the country or have legal permanent resident status the right to vote in uh, municipal elections. But, of course, not federal or even state. This is just New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I'm sure Fox News is running at Chiron right now. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, about oh. the insanity of Mexicans take over yeah. New York. Illegal aliens yeah. are voting. Uh, folks. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's red meat. It's red meat for the conservatives for sure. Um, Bill de Blasio, the bitch that he is, he was hesitant to fully support the legislation, which, again, just shows you how wrong he is every time. The man who wants to be seen as like this progressive hero. He's such a schmuck. He makes my tall people look horrible. He says he'll probably sign it. If he doesn't sign it, mm. literally, what are you there for? Right. Get out yeah. of here. Get out of the fucking way, dude. I'm sorry I'm cursing so much tonight, but I'm just dirt today. I'm just a little. This stuff is hurt, breaking my heart, it's, man. It's, it's a intense. fiery episode. I've run out of jokes. I'm also very upset. <laughs> but anyway, this is a good story. So according to uh, City Council Speaker Corey Johnson, he says, We're taking a step today to create more franchise for people, Mm -hmm. uh, to expand democracy in New York City, to make sure that people are more connected to civic and local matters and affairs. And I want to focus kind of on that last point, guys. When it comes to civic involvement, Mm -hmm. I think the more people feel as if they're part of the community, violence goes down, um, overall morale is up, when people feel like they can, you know, have a voice heard. So um, anyway, just Fernando, what are your thoughts? Uh, Well, yes, to finish out your point, personal ownership. When people are involved in something, they take personal ownership and thus they're more responsible for it. Yeah. I think this is is so exciting. Uh, Taxation without representation is theft. Absolutely. So all these green card holders, all us green card holders, we're all taxpaying. We're taxpayers. We pay all our taxes. We all contribute to that income tax that we just talked about earlier today that uh, corporations are living off of. We all pay that too. Everything that you pay, we pay. So it's so important that we be allowed to contribute to the system that we pay to. And again, taxation without representation is theft. So technically all these people in, in you know, we need the, they should have these rights. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna back Fernando up on this. I'm gonna say I mean taxation without representation is what this country's revolution was fought about, and we're just expecting you know especially conservatives they expect these nice folks these immigrants who again as you you mentioned Ben are doing all of these jobs they just expect them to have no representation. I, I it's an exciting move on New York's part. I'm I'm interested to see how it works though. Yeah, I, I am as well. Um, I, I this is long overdue. According to uh, Melissa John, she says, uh, I'm a classroom teacher, so I always say to my students, it's important for representation. It's important to be seen and heard. So hundreds of thousands of immigrant New York City residents like myself, we will finally be able to be seen and heard in the political process. Again, emphasize on the job. She's a, she's a teacher. She's a teacher. She's a classroom teacher. This is not this not don't listen to the the scaremongers. Don't listen to the people who are like this is going to change everything. It's just it's only fair. It's only right. And again, if you are someone in the establishment, which is there is this idea that these are monolithic groups. 
Mm-hmm. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. No. And so this is just going to further, hopefully it's scary. I'm sh- this is why de Blasio perhaps is nervous about it, because it Ooh. might shake up the Democratic po- power right structure that. in You're New right. York City. A lot of Republican Cuban, a lot of Republican uh, Latinos there. Or even if they vote Democrat in a primary process, they might go with someone different, mm-hmm. you know, than, than your progressive establishment in New York City, which again, under de Blasio has been exceptionally regressive. But that's just is what it is. I... You everyone knows, but truly, when you guys see that, because he's going to write a book, please no one buy it. It's, he, I'm telling you, everyone who lives in New York City under de Blasio hates him. They, I, right. He is a horrible, horrible mayor. Um, this is according to Anu Joshi of the New York Immigration Coalition. They say, we're all going to be better off when the people who are invested in the future of our city have a say in the direction of our city. Exactly. Because mm. I'm not going to sit here and not be um, self-aware. I left. Mm. Right. You know, a lot of the hipsters in Williamsburg are going to leave. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of people who come and stay. For, I was there for 15 years. I am so grateful for that city. I met all of my friends there, got my career going there. We 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 cut our teeth there, but I'm gone now. Right. And there's a lot of people who don't have the ability to leave. The, uh, you know, a lot of people can't say, oh, I'm going to go to L.A. during the middle of a pandemic because they don't. They literally can't because they have children, they have families, they have jobs. And they might not have the financial means. That's exactly what I was going to say. These people, probably the, more, the majority of these 800,000 people are a workforce. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Anu Joshi goes on. Uh, they say, these folks have lived here for decades and are raising their kids here. Their kids are in public school. They're deeply invested in New York City. And again, they pay taxes. They should have the right to vote. And everyone who's going to scaremonger this, this is just New York City. It's the residents of New York City. And they have an apps. The fact that they weren't voting before, that should be what pisses you off. Right. I'm going to piggyback off that. What you just said, uh, they're children. These are permanent residents. These aren't just people on a visa for 90 days or a visa. Right. For, they're they're applying to become citizenship. So they are invested in the future of New York. They're invested in the future of their children and the future of those communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is another one of those areas where progressives and libertarians agree on just a more lenient immigration uh, policy in general, uh, not just federally, but I mean, state to state, city to city. That's what we want. We want people who are here to work and to pay taxes and are qualified, who aren't skirting the law. They absolutely should have a say in how their democratic government works. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. All right. Well, just lastly, when it comes to uh, New York. Uh, we can talk a little bit about Andrew Cuomo. Uh, he has been ordered <laughs> to return. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Frickin' Cuomo, man. Uh, so as everyone knows, Andrew Cuomo, the former governor, again, the sexual harassment scandal, the sexual, what seems to be assault in some of these cases, Tish James has threatened him. He might, like, there's people who want his ass in jail for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the nursing home scandal. Please do some research on that. It's unbelievably sad. Mm-hmm. Andrew Cuomo. Emmy, he already had to give his Emmy back, and now he has been ordered to return his $5.1 million in profits for the book he wrote during the pandemic. Ugh. He made $5 million bucks off of the Ugh. suffering of others. Unbelievable. So now he's being forced to pay that back. Um, the extraordinary resolution was approved by the Joint Commission on Public Ethics in a 12 to 1 vote a month after the ethics uh, agency voted to revoke its prior approval, allowing Cuomo to earn outside income from his book, American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from COVID-19 Pandemic. Oh, my, God. Oh my gosh. Disgusting. <laughs> so, 
So they're making him return the book because of the, the sexual the money harassment from the book. Yeah, for the sexual harassment scandal, I not for the nursing home scandal. It might I mean, be a uh, it might be a collection. Yeah, you know, in its totality, he's yeah. a fraud. Yeah, yeah. I just meant, you know, go with the one that's actually not in line with what the book is proposed. You know, politics are a funny thing. So sometimes sixteen thousand old people dying. I've literally heard people say, yeah, I don't like old people. They don't care. Statistics, I tell you. Right. <laughs> so politics are not necessarily uh, a uh, a political issue isn't necessarily indicative of what is more serious. Right. You know? And I will, I'll throw out a, a little bone to Bill de Blasio. The one time I did like him, he was on MSNBC on the day Cuomo finally resigned and, and he said, oh, Governor Hochul, she's going to be our breath of fresh air. Thank God we finally have a reasonable person up there. You know, he had to work with Cuomo his entire mayoralship and um, Lord knows that probably wasn't easy. Ugh, God, it was horrible for us as New Yorkers, man. Because they were That's just right. fighting constantly. We're like, can we get the trains to work, please, guys? Anyway, <laughs> the resolution says, it is ordered that by no later than 30 days from the date of this resolution, Governor Cuomo pay over to the Attorney General of the State of New York an amount equal to the compensation paid to him for his outside activities related to the book. So there you go. Cuomo's book deal is also being investigated by James, the FBI, and the Brooklyn U.S. Attorney's Office. <laughs> wow. So the man, again, never let a tragedy go unused. But this five million won't hurt him at all. You guys were telling me. Oh, it's fine. He's Cuomo. Oh, okay. They're political. They're, they've had power in that state for so long. He's He'll go just get another five million right. from his or father's can, bank account. Or he can borrow some from his brother, Chris, who I believe is going to get a big payout because he's uh, leaving his contract at CNN early. Yes, Ooh. indeed. All right. And just lastly, sometimes people say they were gone too soon. Sometimes people say they were gone too late. But in the case of Max Lynn, he was gone right on time. 62 years, 62 years strange. Max Lynn, he's not a famous figure whatsoever, but he is just one of the, I'm just going to say he is a, he's a thread in the American quilt. Um, he's the thread that that kind of like frays and you have to cut off with scissors. Max Lynn, uh, he's a main politician. He ran for U.S. Senate in 2020, and he got famous for his debate performance, which one could say is perhaps the single worst debate performance <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. The man is, uh, well, Travis, how would you describe him? He's a creature of Maine politics. It's weird up there. You don't get uh, you don't get a sen an independent senator named Angus King with the moistest mustache in Maine, and then Susan Collins, which is just I don't know what she's just constantly everyone hates her, everyone likes her. I don't know. She's very important all yes. the time. And then there's Max Lynn. <laughs> it's just he's there. LL Bean is too. He got 1.6% of the vote in a four-way race. Of course, that was won by Susan Collins. I got 0.2% more than he did. <laughs> I also got 0.2% more than he did. Look at us. We're better than Max Lynn. So <laughs> this, let's just play this clip of Max Lynn. This is his, uh, he's an independent candidate for, it was independent candidate for Senate. And this is his debate performance, which I, I've never heard anything quite like it. So let's just enjoy this man who is dead but these are some of his final words how would you ensure that everyone who needs health care has access to it and can afford it right and rachel that's an excellent question but as i mentioned i've got to be way outside the box tonight i have to be different because i'm competing against a hundred million dollars and so i'm going to put your question aside <laughs> and i have a bombshell to announce tonight you know right now i would ask if, that you stick with the question well uh request tonight <laughs> 
what I'd like to say is the eyes and ears and the voices of the people, we represent nature and the wilderness. And that brings me to the CMP corridor. How many people, up to 80,000 Let me interrupt for a second, people. Mr. Lynn. Do, yep. do you have any interest in health care? That's the uh, round yes, we're I talking do. about. And I, I'm then I think let's all. talk about that, and we can yep. talk about other things uh, later. Request denied again, <laughs> uh, and I appreciate that. And, and these moderators are such great moderators, and I apologize because I know you're all doing your job as best as possible. But please realize, well, I haven't started my time. I'm addressing this. Oh, you're my God. Me. Well, that was <laughs> the time allotted, and that's how no, it you was don't, Okay, well, then. Let me ask for clarity. I'm competing against $100 million here, okay? They're the front runners. In order for me to be the U.S. Senate candidate, I have to be out of the box tonight. And we need I've to know where you stand on the issues as well. And I've got to be different. All right, Mr. And Lynn, thank as you. A, as a moderator, I want the question, but I don't want to be judged on my answer <laughs> because the only people judging my answer are the main we're, we're voters on, on November 3rd. So Max, now you're taking my time. I don't want to fight the moderators all night. And part of my strategy is to be outside the box. All right. There you go. So he spent his entire time. I don't even know what that word salad was. <laughs> I don't even. It reminds me of uh, the Bill de Blasio, Bo Deedle debate. Oh, where they my mentioned God. They cut Bo Deedle's mic because he kept calling Bill de Blasio Mayor Big Bird and kept yelling <laughs> over him. <laughs> Even to make this story more insane, apparently Max Lin, in December of 2019, he took a business trip to China, to Wuhan specifically. Oh. And he said that he, when he got back from China, he felt so sick, he thought he might not survive. And then he told a reporter that it's possible he picked up COVID-19 oh. during a stop in Wuhan. Uh, of course, that's where the virus originated. So, um, uh, that's where most people believe it originated. That's where it seems it originated from. Uh, Lynn said he never tested or did not never, never tested for COVID nineteen, so he has no idea. So it's possible that Max Lynn, uh, patient zero, patient zero, maybe I don't know. Like Whoa. one of them, patients like one through ten, perhaps self described no less. He bragged yes. about it practically. <laughs> Good grief. All and if right. I'm not mistaken, Ben, didn't they find Mr. Lin in his hot tub? Oh, I'm not sure where they found him dead. I believe that is part of it. Let me, let I'll me double take check. Your, I'll take your word for it. This is according to uh, Matt McDonald. This is a former aide of Max Lin. He says, I've never seen anyone so sick outside a hospital, McDonald said. Lin had a hard time breathing. He goes on. It was like, he said it felt like, it felt like someone pouring fire on his lungs. Ugh. He goes on to say he brought COVID to Maine. And then he says, as Fernando just said, he was patient zero. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. I mean, you got to laugh. Otherwise, it's just it's all, the, everyone always wants some big conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Everyone, It's just no, it's this dipshit businessman mm. went to Wuhan, got super sick and just came back. And just God knows, you know, he's a close talker. He obviously talks a lot. The <laughs> spittle that comes out of his oh, mouth. Man. I mean, you know, he asked God for another day and God said, request denied. Yes, request denied. Anyway, Lynn's uh, McDonald said he lost a friend and Maine lost a character. Well, and I think that is safe to say they lost a character. And there's also a picture of him proudly standing uh, with everyone on January 6th in this yeah, article. He's a, yeah, 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 yeah. He looks real happy to be there. Not Antifa. I don't see any Antifa in that no, picture. No, no, no. Gone right on time. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned something. I learned a little bit. And if you are... Um, 
You know, if you're suffering at the hands of your employee or employer, rather, man, yeah, I, it's it's hard out there. And uh, look within. Mm. There has to be something. You know, the nice thing is uh, the gig economy. You you can tr- start right. something. Try to do something on your own. Try to. It's easier said than done. But just try to harness, because the nice thing is entrepreneurship right. with the internet. With, there are certain things we can do now that we couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. So if you're a candle maker at that candle factory, maybe make your own candles you know? and say, you know what? Take this job and fucking shove it. I'm going to go make my own. I don't want to do it now. But you know, again, easier said than done. I was looking for a job when I found this one, Ben. So, yep. you know, you can keep, you know, it's not the end of the world. Well, that's... I don't know if that's the most inspirational tale, but <laughs> and then you get to hang out with a big bloviating bastard. And if you really work hard, you can hang out with a red headed <laughs> screaming man. Hey, it's the most fun way to go. It is. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much. And I this this is definitely the last episode with all three of us. I might be able to squeeze out one more individual episode, but we're going to be in Birmingham and New Orleans uh, coming up here. So we're just been traveling so much. And I just want to thank everyone. We're beating some big time douchebags out there. Every time I look at the charts, I'm like, thank you guys. And I can't wait for us to go wide in February. Mm-hmm. We're going to take all these MFers down because they're Woo. lying to you. Um, Travis. Since it's the last show before Christmas, I got to give one more plug to got Killer to. Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark. <laughs> We're talking about inventing our own jobs and wealth yep. and, and whatnot. And movies is one of those, too. So uh, we've got a couple of live screenings here coming up in Columbus, Ohio, Friday, December 17th and Wednesday, December 22nd, 11 p.m. at Studio 35. If anyone is in the area, please come join us. We got cast and crew on hand again Multiple appearances from LPN folks. From uh, Ben has a fun Alex Jones voiceover cameo. Fox, to, uh, the raccoons are taking over, folks. Be very careful when you go outside, Fox. <laughs> Pretty much. We fed him a lot of chili and he nailed the part. <laughs> and of course, uh, Ed and Jackie make appearances as well. And if you can't make it out to those, it is streaming everywhere. But dare I say, Ben, I'm going to go ahead and, and put this out there. Don't stream it from Amazon Prime. Find somewhere else to stream it. It's everywhere. Hell yeah. All right, everyone. Well, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll be back before the new year. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Whatever you're, whatever the hell you're celebrating. Um, just have Kwanzaa. a good time and yeah, just be safe and try to survive your family. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. It's been a fantastic year and we'll only have uh, more good times to come. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.